You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, and I'm happy to be with you for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Every Saturday, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. Today, we begin with a segment from our Catholic Chicago program hosted by Holy Name Cathedral Rector Father Greg Sakowitz and Mark Teresi. They spoke with the president and publisher of Loyola Press about a groundbreaking Catholic video game. Let's listen in. Joellen Cicerelli, the president and publisher of Loyola Press, a Jesuit ministry located here in Chicago, joins us to talk about Wanderlight, a groundbreaking Catholic video game. It's very interesting, mm-hmm. it's a video game. More generally, uh, Joellen can discuss the expansion of virtual tools in Catholic education, the unusual upcoming school year, to say the least. Joellen, welcome to the program this morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks so much for having me. Can you hear me okay? Loud Perfect. and clear. Can we Perfect. also talk about maybe Pac-Man? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the I first. Was, uh, you weren't even probably born. No, I don't think I was. <laughs> I was, uh, I was I, the first game I remember a video game was called Pac-Man, and um, that's going back to the mm-hmm. 80, late 80s, I think. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So it, uh, you are the president and publisher of Loyola Press. How long have you been the president and publisher, Joellen? Oh, around three years, but I've been with Loyola for um, about 12 years. Uh, before that, I was director of curricula development and then um, vice president of product development. So kind of moved my way along. Loyola Press is tremendous, you know, phenomenal publications. And they've been around for how many years? Any idea? Yes. We're, we uh, predate, actually, the Midwest province of the Society of Jesus. So we've been um, at that same location on Ashland since, 1912, I believe. Okay, around so. the time Mark was born. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> 19, 108 years ago. So, well, tell us now about Wonder Light, a groundbreaking Catholic video game. That sounds fascinating. Sure. So, a lot has happened in 100 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I like that. So, um, Wonder Light is what we call um, an unapologetic Catholic video game. Um, it's an immersive single-player game. It's rated E for everyone. Uh, the player takes on the role of the pilgrim. Um, for people who know St. Ignatius of Loyola, um, he called himself the pilgrim in his autobiography. So we, there, there's a little homage to St. Ignatius there. And the pilgrim goes on a journey, on a pilgrimage, through a beautiful world and embarks on quests that lead the player to learn more about the faith and then practice being a disciple of Christ. Now, how do you Um, envision... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, how do you envision marketing this product? Is it going to be just schools, individuals? We created two versions of the game. Um, One version is a school and parish version where each classroom would receive a different level, and there's an an educator dashboard and admin built in the back and so um, teachers and catechists can see which quests the kids have finished, which prayers they favorited, which saints they've met. Um, when you meet a saint, 
um, you, as a player, you go back to your tablet and a miraculous medal will show up on this board of the saint with biographical information about the saint. Um, you meet all sorts of folks, um, St. Catherine Drexel, St. Martin de Porres, Moses, and they help you in your quest. St. Francis of CC sends you off to go reunite some puppies with their mom. Um, oh. It's all, all sorts of fun. So if you were using it in a classroom, you could potentially do guided instruction where you ask the kids to complete a certain number of quests, and then you come back to class and, and discuss it via Zoom or in person. Now, Joan, have, are there different levels, like, for example, a grammar school level, a high school level, a college level, an adult level? So there are seven levels in the game, A through A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, and so you can assign levels based on the grade level. It You don't have to be a reader to play the game. It's all voiced over so young kids can play. But I, if I were using the school or parish version, I would assign a level to to each different grade, for example, through seven grades. Um, the, the individual at home version of it is available on the Google and um, Apple App Store. Once you get it there, you can log in from any computer or tablet, but that has all seven levels that unlock as you progress through the game. And you can replay as many times as you want. Um, so our little granddaughters, um, Lydia's five, the twins are three, we go over there and they pull out their iPads and they're like natural at it, you know. Is there a so for their mom, is there a way for them for her to get this and would it appeal to someone like kindergarten age, preschool? I mean, they seem to be so adept at this stuff. They are. You know, it's sort of like if you look at games like Super Mario Brothers or Legends of Zelda, really little ones like to play it and older people like to play right. it too so this is a game really that little ones can play because they don't need to read so basically what they would do is they would go to the an app store apple or google um they would uh get the app it's 2.99 a month we tried to make it really affordable um because really families are stretched these days so absolutely um, it's by it's just by month and um you once you purchase it there, you can literally log in from any tablet, your your iPad, um, your Android tablet, or from a computer. So, so once you get it there, you can get kind of log on from. Okay, anywhere. so for an Apple illiterate grandparent who wants to get this for their grandkids, <laughs> could you go through <laughs> a could you go through a step at a time? So, <laughs> so you doing? when you go for the app. You, do you look for Wanderlight? Or you Wan- look for- yes. Wanderlight, colon, a pilgrim's adventure. Say it again, the Joellen. Um, Wanderlight, colon, a pilgrim's adventure. And then you- and it, it launches August 17. So if you go on the Apple App Store or the Google App Store, and you can get that from your computer right, even right. or from your phone, now, can um, I can I send it to them, or do I have it on mine and bring my little iPad with and play it with them? Well, they could. Once and bring you some cookies too. It, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once you purchase it and you have a login name and a password, then you can just give them the login Perfect. name and password, and they're they're off to the races. Perfect. It's just you know amazing, Joellen, that uh, 
We talked about when I said before in the beginning about Pac-Man, which was I think in the late 80s, which kind of started this whole thing of video games, mm-hmm. which is a craze that, of course, with my being 67, I grew up in grammar school and high school, the notebook, pen, pencil, whatever. And so, this, see, I'm a semi-computer moron, and I'm happy. And so <laughs> I don't get all this stuff. But for these children, this is like breathing to them. This is just so part of who they are that they can get these games and open them up. And, uh, and I think it's tremendous that Level of Press has now moved into this area beside books and videos, but somehow moving from the print to video games because, honest to God, you talk to young kids, they are, in fact, the problem is I think they spend too much time Sometimes, doing yeah. videos with these right. different games. And we were desperately trying to find something that was the antithesis of of regular video games that you see so often today. So we love that the game teaches love, not hate, that the avatars look peaceful and not a warrior, that help comes from the Holy Spirit. You have a little dove that hovers over your shoulder that kind of guides you along your way. And if grandparents grandparents really want to pass down the faith, they have to do it with tools that the young people, their grandkids are going to understand. Meet them where they are. Even our our newest textbook series, all of our textbooks now are digital and print, but we've built into our new textbook series QR codes. So even if you're on a physical print page, you could hover your um, phone over the QR code on the student book page, and a puzzle might pop up. Scripture audio might pop up. A video might pop up. So we've even tried to infuse multimedia um, in everything we're doing now. Um, That's smart, very smart. I think it's just relating to where our world is at because in terms of uh, video and technology, this is this is where it's at. This is this is the um, for our young people. And see, the older generations are are learning this slowly, but for and when you hear about the learning techniques of young people, now you mentioned an interesting point, um, Joellen, with this upcoming school year, no one really knows for sure absolutely if the doors are going to open. We say yes, but it's a, almost a day by day challenge to say, will they open up come end of August or early September? And nobody really knows. No. And we have to cover these parents, frankly, who are at home um, potentially having to educate their kids or at least guide them again. And that's why this video game for me is so great because it is kids can do it independently, but then parents can even review the quest. Um, and come back and have deep, meaningful, rich conversations. And parents can get catechized at the same time. Now, how long has Wanderlight been out? I know it's brand oh, new. It's brand new. It's been a dream for about a decade. And we've really? been working on it for in earnest for over two years. Um, and so it's, it launches August 17. Okay. So we're, we're like right here and right pre-launch. So I'm super excited about it, but we've been working on it forever. So it's actually <laughs> it been a dream like, of Lola Press for about a decade in the last two years, really working hard at this and to launch now in two weeks from now. Yeah. That's you know, amazing. we were trying to figure out how can you help kids not only learn about the faith, 
but deep in their prayer life. Um, so we've created for every player a prayer tent that you can kind of retreat to um, and learn traditional prayers or be guided through an examine. Um, and we thought, can we, can we use modern technology to help kids have a connection with the divine? Can we do it? You know, it, just, and, it just amazed me, Joellen, something you just said, that you look at the games that are out there about killing, about how many you can, people you can shoot, uh, the violence. It is unbelievable. So really, this is an answer in a different direction. It doesn't have to always be about violence and killing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not preachy. We, it has to be fun. I yes. said, cannot, we can't. We can't, quote-unquote, teach them. We have to draw them in. St. Ignatius said, go in their door and take them out yours. And so what's their door? They're digital native. Well, what do they want? They want to, they, they want to learn, but, the, but they want to learn in the way that they learn, which is experiential. Um, this game is filled with choices. If you make a good choice, your lantern, your pilgrim's lantern grows brighter and if you make a bad choice, it Your will flicker or dim. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're trying to get a clue <laughs> how you're doing in the game. How is your how is Loyola Press? How has that business changed in your mind? With the it sounds like you are you're ripe for meeting some new needs out there. Right. So when you mentioned the pandemic, I, you know, I think for us there there were two key things that that occurred for Loyola Press. Um, one was um, moving 75 employees to a remote workplace. Oh, wow. Um, so that was sort of the first issue. Um, we kind of saw a tsunami coming in February, so we we um, made sure that everyone had it, everything they needed to move home when either the governor or the mayor asked. So we were able to transition and really be up and running kind of without a hitch because we had prepared in advance. But the second thing that happened was the moment we kind of started to work from home, which was Monday, March, what was it, 16th? It would be exactly 16th. Yeah. We said, how do we help the customers So, and non-customers? So we have digital textbooks that are on an annual license. So they they expire in, in June, you know, and, and then people re-up them at for the next school year, I told my staff that we needed to provide free digital textbooks for anyone who asked, customer or non-customer, starting that week in March through June. In two weeks, we had given away 75,000 textbook licenses. That's Uh, amazing. It's wonderful. In two weeks? In two weeks. Wow. We also... And, and my team didn't stop building the things they were building. I mean, everybody's been working overtime. We also developed um, a COVID-19 lesson that was sort of where faith and science meet um, to help kids understand the importance of good hygiene and um, taking care of themselves. And it was inspired by a new child safety program we have called Growing With God. So we um, quickly made a lesson um, for the coronavirus and COVID-19 um, and prevention, really, and health prevention. And um, we got that out as fast as we could. That took a couple of weeks to get right. Um, but 
within 48 hours, that was downloaded over 15,000 times, all the way to Kuala Lumpur. We had people downloading the lesson from across the world. So we, we immediately tried to pivot to serve people. We are fortunate that we were developing this video game. I, I was talking to a friend who's in ed tech, and he said, you know, Joellen, the, the best day would have been to launch that game on March 13, but the second best day, you know, will be in August. And I said, I know, mm-hmm. we're moving as fast as we can um, because I think people it was, It's just it. amazing, Joellen, how our world has been turned upside down. If you would have told me back when we closed around March 15th, you know, if you would have said we've been closed for Holy Week, for Easter, I never would have believed you. And here it is, early August. Now, things have opened, but it's so tense and so tentative because we keep looking at the numbers going up. And I think people have to realize this pandemic, this virus is not going away. No. And that's the part that I think is, I think as someone said to me, if we knew an end date, Labor Day, October 15th, November 30th, okay, you wait for the date, it's done over. But this, the finish line keeps changing, and it keeps getting pushed out. And I think we have to realize this is truly a new normal. And So what does that mean? We're kind of doing as we go along with the changes. And you have to be, you have to be adaptable. Our son and his wife are expecting in November. All of a sudden in September, my wife is planning a virtual shower where there's drive-by. She's assigned different times for people. There's safe distancing. There's a little goodbye package uh, for people and because it's a different world, but you still want to celebrate those life moments that, you know, as, you, as I think about that too, um, there are so many individuals that probably would jump at Loyola Press resources in terms of this time to be able to read different things that are inspiring. You've talked a lot about schools. and How do individuals find you and, and get a good, solid, like, do you do catalogs, reading lists, online catalogs? Yeah. So we have a trade division as well that serves individual seekers, adults. So, And one of the things I'm so happy about that we've recently been able to do is we literally now can serve you, serve people from the time they are born we just came out with a new baptismal prep program called Springs of Faith, and it actually has like a baby and me jamboree class with it. Oh, um, that's cute. So we can catechize from birth all the way. So if, if you simply go to LoyolaPress.com. So, okay, um, LoyolaPress.com. Dot com. What about something for and, a phone number? Um, sure. So a phone number. Let's see. I know that's an, that's an, that's an archaic question. Yeah, that's a non-computer guy question. And also, <laughs> I've got the rotate the, the the rotor. What is it called? The rotor. The rotary phone? dial. Rotary <laughs> dial. <laughs> Sarah picks up the phone and connects us, calls. <laughs> may, so, I help, may I help you? <laughs> love it. So let me tell you, customer service phone number is eight hundred. <laughs> The number once again, Sarah? (laughs) 800-621-1008. Can Father Greg send his order via carrier pigeon? (laughs) You know what? I'll hand deliver it, Father. I promise. With a mask on and gloves, and I will leave it six feet away. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Now, it's interesting you said something earlier, Joelle, and that is how Loyola Press 
is being proactive regarding the pandemic. And so we could sit here and be reactive and try to fight it, but it's fascinating how the, what you and level of press are being proactive in reaching out to people, just like the Catholic Church. In once the doors closed, we had to be proactive and through technology reach people in their home. Since they're not coming, you're doing the same thing, right? How- right. On September one, we're launching our very first digital catalog that features mm. digital only products. So all of our eBooks, all of our audio books. All of our digital textbooks, our music, our, our, our media, our films. So that is launching. You know, we have a ton of it. We were just wrapping it around print programs because that's how people were using things. But the world has changed, so we had to change with it. So we're, we're putting that out September 1. To find out more about this groundbreaking Catholic video game, visit wanderlightgame.com. That's wanderlightgame.com. Next up, Father Greg and Mark spoke about coping spiritually with the pandemic, social unrest, and violence in our neighborhoods with Father Lou Camelli, Cardinal Supich's delegate for Christian Formation and Mission. Let's take a listen. Father Lou Camelli, welcome to the program this well, morning. Thank you, Father Greg. It's a pleasure. And, and the thing is, Mark, good, too. To see good to see you too. But I see Lou all the time because uh, he's part of one of the priest at the cathedral. Right down the hall. Right down the hall and uh, a great friend. You know, Lou, we go back. I met you when I began Mundelein Seminary in 1975. yeah. Did, is that the year you September, joined the faculty? I did. September of 75. And you were a great That's a professor. long time ago, so you know. You were 45 prof- years ago. Do you know, and you're, you're kind of old. I was just older. Yeah. <laughs> but he looks younger. Yeah, you're right. That's the problem. <laughs> Ten years older and looks younger. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? But we go back 45 years, Lou. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And all, in fact, I go back with Mark, uh, 47, because we met in 73 you at Niles blink. College. Don't, you just blink. It, it's yep. true. You blink. And it, uh, you know, Lou, so much has happened in the last six months. Our world has been turned upside down. Right. And if you would have told me back, I said to Joel and the previous guest, in March, in early August, we'd be kind of where we were back in March, minus mm-hmm. the absolute stay at home. But I have a few friends that have not left their house. They are staying at home even yeah. until now, and it's changing people. So, you know, to have this topic today talking about the uh, coping with the spiritually in terms of the pandemic in light of the social unrest and violence in our neighborhoods, people are stressed. Yes. And you know, and how do we respond to it spiritually? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a tall order, and just a few words to put it all together. But I think, you know, recently somebody asked me, said, why did God uh, send this pandemic? Why, why is God punishing us, or what, what's behind all this? You know, that's a, it's a good question, it's a legitimate one, and it's a kind of natural question. But it's also unanswerable. You know, you, you, there's no clear, pat answer. And, in an, you know, the, the French Jesuit uh, theologian, scientist, Pierre Thier, Father Pierre Thierry de Chardin, described our universe as one that's, by God's design, it's an evolutionary universe. And there are all kinds of processes in that, in the, in the way in which the universe unfolds. And, uh, and as a matter of course, sometimes there are whole species that 
get um, that vanish, and there there are things that happen just simply because we're in this universe which is evolving. But in the middle of all that, and sometimes in the time of loss, and by the way, a virus is part of that evolutionary universe. Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of all that, we're called out of our freedom and our love to respond. So it's not so much, you know, why did this happen, but where does it lead? And what are we going to do about what, it? What do we, yeah. And I, I think there are some uh, particular uh, traps, if you will, in this whole thing because it generates, it because we're enclosed, because there's the threat of the virus, we are, um, uh, we're, we're anxious and, and sometimes we're angry. You know, we, I, I think I find myself, I, a lot of people do too, on edge, mm -hmm. impatient. And that's because we're, you know, kind of stuck indoors. I'll give you an example yeah. how people are so conscious about not handshaking, hugging, right. staying six feet, eight feet apart, things that we would never do in the past because we are always about hugging and high fives and handshaking and being close, group gatherings. Yep. So when you see people actually together without masks on, it's like, what are you guys doing? What are you people doing? Yeah. And they become a threat to us. Yes. Yeah. And it's so countercultural, uh, especially like our kids, you know, you hug them, kiss them. Well, you don't. No. Especially no. our son and his wife are expecting. You are very conscious. I am very conscious that the distance is important to keep that little guy healthy, the little. Oh. But, I, well, Lou, a couple of weeks ago when, when we met about stuff going on at the cathedral, what do we do next, how do we look at budgets, et cetera, I keep quoting you uh, as we're talking about it with staff because you said we need to keep people spiritually connected. Yes. That's the first step. How do we do that? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's complicated, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think. Um, it, we, have, we have different means. For example, this show right now. I mean, mm -hmm. This is a way in which people are connected. Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, I had the uh, 10 o'clock Mass of the Cathedral, which is live-streamed. And I think because you had about 75,000 viewers. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. But, <laughs> the, uh, but, but I said to the people, I said to the people who were both there present and uh, also uh, looking at it virtually, we're scattered in some ways. That's real. That's the, that's the situation. Yeah. But even in that, we are gathered in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he becomes a, a, the, the center point that we can hook onto and, and link into. But let me say one other thing, too, because I think this is background for the whole thing, is that when we are uh, angry and anxious, when we are fearful and edgy, one of the things that happens is we tend to turn in on ourselves mm -hmm. and, and uh, we become self-absorbed. So that's, I want to go back to what I, I said in that meeting that mm -hmm. we had a couple weeks ago. That's why it's so important to move out, mm -hmm. to try to connect, and, and, and to be creative and imaginative. Sometimes it's going to be through electronic media, but sometimes it'll be a telephone call. Sometimes it'll even be the exercise of praying for other people because that's a connection. That's mm -hmm. a real connection. And, and so there, there are different ways that we can move 
out of ourselves because that that I think is the critical spiritual challenge. See, I like when you say Lou about in terms of when people act out of anger, frustration, where you stress, fear, fear then then we're not ourselves. No. Then you're not you're not we're not playing our we're, game. So I'm finding so many people I mean I've been actually walking down the street by the rectory, you know, be it Wabash or Superior, and I'm walking and someone walks on the street yeah. just to get 10 feet away from me. It's like things we would never do. They're walking away, and it's and when we are defensive and out of fear and anger, we're not ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. We're not ourselves. In words, we're, we're not who we are because we keep reacting. Instead of being proactive, we're reactive. And this is where I think spirituality is more important than ever to connect the mystery of God with our lives, but also be connected to each other. But the bottom line, Lou and Mark, people are still not coming to Mass. They're afraid. Right. They're afraid. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't blame them. And I said, when people call me and say, you know, Greg, I'm not coming right now, I say, God understands. We have the television. But, Lou, you mentioned something to me last week or the week before. There's a danger in becoming so used to the TV, we miss that sense of the, the Eucharist. Yeah literally receiving the body of Christ. Now, how do you, how, I'm curious, either one of you, uh, as priests, celebrant, connected to the folks in, so, in such a different way before the yeah. pandemic, well, what are your feelings when you stand up there on the altar and look at the church sporadic? Um, you're on live streaming, which probably is incidental to you folks. But I'm just wondering, what does it do to you? And, and you're your ministry is to people, and you can't get to them in some ways. Yeah. That's why you're saying be yeah. creative. But what are your what are your feelings when you're on the altar? Lou, go first. Yeah, let me. Uh, you know, I wrote a, a sh- short article for the Chicago Catholic on on the the fact that we don't have the Eucharist for mm-hmm. most of our people, and I compared it to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what I feel is I feel like I'm trying to prepare people for that time when they can come back. Okay. And and in a certain sense, we can we can take this, and, and there is a positive side to it, because in that uh, distance from the Eucharist, we can begin to feel a certain longing and a reappreciation. So those are things that are in my my mind and and, and in my heart as I'm trying to communicate to people, uh, you know, not to not to get obsessed with our situation. But to be to face it honestly and to realize we're not where we want to be, mm-hmm. but we're also not just stuck either. We we look forward. We're moving forward. And and what are the pieces of anticipation, hope, and so forth that are necessary? Along those lines, is we need to be proactive, which I think the cathedral and parishes are in just in reopening. I do want us to thank the thousands of people and parishes have stepped forward to be volunteers yes. to get people into their parishes. Without them, we could not be open. And to get to your point, Mark, when I look out at a sea of masks, it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also six feet apart unless they're um, same domicile. One of the hardest parts, believe it or not, is the sign of peace. Because the sign of peace, you say, wave to your neighbor with a gesture or something. I'm the first that goes down hugging. And that's been hard. But again, we are gathered together as a community, and I like Lou's approach to be proactive in that this is a time of transition, 
and things will change and eventually get better, not in our timetable, but somehow God is with us. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it, God has, n- has not been anywhere else except with us this whole time. There's another layer to the pandemic, and that's the social unrest that uh, it's prompted and it's prompted by a new recognition in our lives of racial injustice. Uh, this was triggered by the killing of George Floyd, other situations. How do people of faith, Lou, see this? What can we do as an individual, as a Catholic, as a church? Yeah, well, that's, a, of course, a question we can't answer in just a few words, mm-hmm. but let me just begin to let me give it a shot in a few things. First of all, there's a kind of grieving and a sadness because we, we have what's been revealed is that there are some real deep divisions in our society and um, and there, there should be a sadness. We, we ought to grieve that. Uh, it's the first step uh, towards a kind of collective repentance and a conversion of heart. Uh, so that's important. And, and I think there are well, let me just pull this together in a, in a couple of ways. I've been thinking and writing actually about this too because I think there are two dimensions for people of faith as we look at the uh, inequity, the injustice, and, and, and some of the violence that goes on in our society. Um, the, the first thing is we have to be against it, <laughs> clearly. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know, when, when we see injustice or people not being treated fairly and... Uh, we have to we have to be against that. We have to do whatever we can as uh, citizens, as human beings, to to, to rectify that and to uh, in our own lives to treat everyone with with great dignity and, and respect. So that there is a kind of and you hear a lot about anti-racism. That's a legitimate thing. We have to be against racism, against injustice, against the lack of dignity. But there's a whole other side as well. And this is for people of faith. And it it comes from our sense of what it means to belong to the church. At the very beginning of the Constitution on the church from the Second Vatican Council, the Council says the church is in the manner of a sacrament, that is to say a sign and an instrument of the unity of all humanity and God. So we're not only against something, but we have a, a vision, or in uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, words, a dream, and that's God's dream. God's dream is that we would be one, that there would be a family. So I, I think at the same time that we have to be against what's bad and evil and divisive, we also have to keep holding up and forward a positive vision, a dream, God's dream, where we want to go, where we want to be. And I think that's a tremendous responsibility for people of faith. But now, Lou, with that in mind, which was, you know, you summarized so beautifully, there's an underlying current in our country of tremendous anger with a social unrest. And when there's a root of anger, I think people lose logic. Right. And then all that you're saying is spoken from a very faith-filled, logical position. Yeah. But we know for every human being... How many times we engage in an argument with somebody and reason is lost, logic is lost because they're being too emotional. So when you talk about this whole national unrest, which has been tremendous with the protest. Now, I'm, I'm all for protests that are peaceful, but when you have groups of people that are about violence, it destroys 
the goal of the protesters who yeah. are there for a peaceful march to get their viewpoint across, which I'm totally for, but then now it creates even more anger. So how do you get to some of this stuff when there's this tremendous anger underneath it and people lose logic and reason? Yeah. Well, one of the things I did as I was trying to think this out and do some writing is I went back to the uh, 1963 Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech. In Washington, D.C.? Yeah, which was, and I reread it, studied it, and, and I found it, it is remarkable as a resource because he goes through very clearly what is wrong and what, what can't continue to be in terms of discrimination and prejudice and so forth. And then he does, as I just mentioned earlier, he, he gives the dream of the kids being together, of people working together, of, of uh, a unified hand in hand. hand, in hand. So if people just stay against something, even as something bad like racism, like injustice and, and so forth, if you, if you just stay with that, you will stay aggrieved. And if you stay aggrieved, that anger will bend in on you and it will compound the misery of racism and there will be anger. So what he did is I think he modeled for us today that double movement you can be against it, but you also have to be for something. You have to be for. It's got to go somewhere. It, it has to go somewhere. Otherwise, you're left simply with uh, anger, violence. And, and, you know, Jack Shea has a great line. He says, things we take in quietly come out in noisy ways. Yeah. The great line. Well, it's interesting, too, because as you look at the footage for John Lewis, when he was crossing the bridge, yeah. uh, the, we were there. You saw priest collars. You saw nuns. You saw yeah. you saw our religious leaders taking a stand. How are our religious leaders to do that in this environment? Well, that's a, a really good question, Mark. Mm -hmm. And I I think that we have uh, probably not had the 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 vision and the leadership right now. I mean, mm -hmm. I, it's it's still coming. Things are working out. You know. But um, there is a way in which the, the church, and I'm not talking just about the bishops and mm -hmm. priests and right, all that, right. but um, the people, there there has to be an element of prophecy. And, and prophecy isn't just about telling the future, but the pro prophets were people who took God's word and spoke that word to a very specific situation and said, here's where God's leading us. This is what we need to take a look at. And, they took uh, a risk. And they took a risk. They were unsparing. Right now we're going through the cycle of readings of Jeremiah, who <laughs> took a lot of risks mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, thrown into a cistern and all that, and they wanted to kill him. But that's okay because if, if you have confidence in th that God is with you, you'll, you'll move forward. You'll move forward. Now, along, along those lines, you talk about the, uh, the pandemic, the social unrest, just for a moment, Lou, in the last couple of minutes, and this is a real tough topic, is the violence and the killings taking place just to take it in our own city. Yeah. When you Every weekend you read a 9-year-old killed, yeah. a 3-year-old shot yeah. to death, a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old. I mean, it's to have any human being shot to death. Mm -hmm. But now we're talking children with random sh bullets flying. I can't even comprehend this. No. That's right, yeah. It is. It's just extraordinary and heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, uh, and, it, and it's not getting any better. No, 
No, it, it isn't. I, I think, again, going back to the perspective of a community of faith, because there are lots of issues here. People talk about the need for investment in poor communities and, and, and so forth. You know. Although that, that, that's important, there's no question about it. We need to invest in all of our communities. But I think it can also be a sort of an insult to poor people to say that because you're poor, you're violent. That's not true. Correct. Right. No, exactly. poor people... Poor people are good people. Well, yeah. That's 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 I not it. Many of them. There's uh, so that having been said, I think this is really a pro-life issue. At least that's the way Catholic people need mm-hmm. to, to look at it. This is a yeah, pro- life is sacred. Life is sacred. It's part of the and, seamless garment. Yeah, correct. And we have to. And I I don't know exactly what shape or what look what this will look like, but we have to be present to our society holding up that value. Uh, and it's not just about marching around. It's Mm-mm. not just about placards. not just about slogans. But somehow, some way, we have to say life is precious. Life is holy. Life is a gift of God. And um, I, I think, obviously, people have to be called to take moral responsibility. We have to take the gospel message of Jesus and make it come alive in our hearts. Yeah. Not just talk about it, but to live it. Right. Which is tough. Yeah, in our hearts, but then also translate that into structures. Exactly. And and the way in which we interact with each other. And it's come up at Cathedral, you know, our little, I don't know if it's called slogan, it's really part of the vision, but together in his holy name. Yeah. That we're all all in his name, and and we have a, a call to respond to that. And, you know, there's a, a piece in here, too, that's really important. That's solidarity. These kids belong to us. Yes. They belong to us. There, there's, and, and we have to, again, we have to be able to communicate that. And we take the layer of the pandemic with this whole social unrest. It just magnifies everything. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not just dealing with one thing in a compartment way. But so many layers right now, Lou, that's just making people more stressed. And when we, when we live out of stress, we're not ourselves. That's right. Our thanks to Father Lou for joining Father Greg and Mark on Catholic Chicago. Stick around. After a short break, we will hear the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity talk about the legacy of Francis Cardinal George. Back in a moment. It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net.
You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 a.m. and 930 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review, a program that brings you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. This past Wednesday, Don Fitzpatrick and Ray Pingoy with the Office for Human Dignity and Solidarity spoke with an old friend on their Folio Live program. They promoted an upcoming virtual event that will also celebrate the legacy of Francis Cardinal George. Here's a highlight of that conversation. We are getting ready to have a very special event next week, and we're going to talk to you about that for the next few minutes. And joining us to help us with that discussion is one of my predecessors from the Chastity Education Initiative from the Respect Life Ministries office, and that is Mary Louise Curie-Hengesbaugh. Welcome, Mary Louise. Hi, John. Hi, Ray. Good morning. How are you today? Good. I'm so excited to be on this show with you. I remember, gosh, it was a long time ago now, a decade ago, when I was doing this show, and you're doing a great job. You guys are a great team. Well, thank you. We, we think so. We like working together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you hired Ray, actually, so That's I should right. be thanking you. <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you should be. He was one of my best hires. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Guy. During that time, I, I only had one kid, and now, oh. man... We've been busy. We've been busy. <laughs> He's got Ray is father of five, just so everyone knows. Um, Praise God. Tr- Praise truly God. living out his vocation as husband and father to the way God intends it. So that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, Mary Louise, we are here to talk to you about this event we're having next week and um, <laughs> how it's going to help our chastity education initiative and what is and what your role is in it. So, first of all, why don't you tell everyone what we're doing next week? Well, this is actually a really big event. In fact, I feel like everybody in Illinois should know about this event because we're commemorating the fifth anniversary of Cardinal George's passing. And uh, anybody who knows Cardinal George knows how monumental he was uh, in terms of his influence, both uh, in the Archdiocese of Chicago as shepherd and also uh, throughout the United States and the world. Yes. He was the... Um, he was the president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops for a fantastic three-year term. Mm-hmm. He um, was highly regarded. He was on numerous important councils at the Vatican. He was very close with Pope John Paul II um, and greatly influenced by him. And his legacy lives on today in many ways, including um, and maybe especially through the Chastity Education Initiative, which was one of the things that he uh, really strongly believed in, and um, he uh, asked me to initiate in the Archdiocese. So um, so that all happened around 2003, correct? Yes, uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I, um, I uh, started working at the Archdiocese in 2003 as the Respect Life Director, and um, one of the things that he hired me for specifically was to start a chastity education program that served the teens and young adults in parishes and schools throughout the archdiocese and beyond. Uh, we really uh, also served, and and it, and it includes not only 
you know, dynamic presentations and also youth rallies, and we do pilgrimages. And, um, and Dawn, I know that you are now doing retreats and doing great outreach to the colleges as well, yeah. um, and young adults and all of that. And through that, um, there have been, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives touched through this ministry since it started in 03. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a quick question, Mary Louise. I know a little piece of the answer to this, but I always get uh, I always get asked this question: Why why the Chastity Education Initiative uh, should be under the, the Respect Life Ministries? What what was the the wisdom in in you and in Cardinal George in in making that so? Well, there are two things. First of all, uh, we're the ones who understand the teaching, and that's a huge component because actually the Church's teaching on sexuality is extremely, in a way it's very simple, but in a way it's very complex. When you look at what it is, and especially in today's culture, you need to have people who are equipped to answer those questions. And only those who have a robust understanding of Catholic bioethics and Catholic sexuality issues actually are equipped to evangelize in this very challenging ministry. So that's number one, is that you have to have the right people doing it, and the right people doing it are in the Respect Life Office, because that's their area. Mm-hmm. And then number two is that it's actually kind of the crux of the whole Respect Life ministry, because um, if we are living out the gospel of life, we will not have abortion. If we are fully living out the theology of the body, then no one would ever even consider um, engaging in sexual activity uh, and then, you know, killing killing an unborn child because they're not ready to receive that child. It's all about giving and receiving life. That yes. is the whole beautiful vision. And so it's absolutely not just part of the Respect Life Ministry. It's actually the centerpiece. Right. Uh, absolutely. And uh, understanding that, you know, I mean, one of the main reasons for our sexuality is to procreate and to collaborate with our creator to do so. And as soon as you separate that, um, it it, be- it becomes a very selfish act. And, exactly. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and then there are lots of problems, because then it comes down to, well, is this really then, am I using this woman then uh, in order to, because, you know, I'm enjoying her, but I don't want to have a child with her? And if so, why not? Right. Why don't you want to have a child? You know what I mean? And that, mm-hmm. that comes down to, you know, the, the very important issue of, you know, the meaning of this great gift of sexuality, that it's an incredible gift, and it's more beautiful than the world actually treats it, uh, yeah. and that's the vision. And so this event, it's on August 11th, and it's online, so everybody can participate, and it's going to be the evening of August 11th that everybody needs to sign up to uh, tune in, because we have some really great guests that are going to be talking about Cardinal George, and we're going to be viewing Glorious Lives as well, the film about his life. Mm -hmm. And that's a film that is a documentary. The executive producer is Mike Stark, and I really want to give him a shout-out because he did a great job, and he's letting us use this film just because he wants people to know Cardinal George better. And, I mean, how beautiful is that? Yes, absolutely. And he did such a great job. I, Whenever I watch the movie, I always like, Fly through like the last twenty-five minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's just such a great job um, because Cardinal George was such a humble person that uh, he's not one to toot his own horn. And so, recognizing the film though recognizes his greatness um, in you know who he was and what he did uh, and how much he gave of himself. Sure, 
sure. And 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 I think that the the people in the documentary do a great job, like helping us to see all these characteristics of Cardinal George that you wouldn't know just by reading his his writings or um, even watching some of the footage of things he did in his life. Um, you know, you certainly you can tell he's a brilliant man, and definitely his books are incredible. His his papers he's wrote and the the letters he wrote to people incredible things um and even watching you know things he said and did just awesome but you don't get to see who that who that man really was the way you do when you you listen to the people talk about him who knew him and you were one of those people right so that's yes that's why we're, we're having you on the panel after we watch that movie um on on tuesday night next week so for, for people who are listening, we're going to go to break in just a minute, but I want you to know that this event is next Tuesday on the 11th of August at 7 p.m. Central Time, and you'll be able to get there. You can register for it at respectlifechicago.org, and then there's a little button you do, that says Celebrating Cardinal George. You click on that, and you can register, um, and we will be streaming it through the Arches YouTube and Facebook pages. And then we were going to talk a little bit more about what's going to happen at the event. So um, we have, yes. yeah, so, so I'll just let you do that. Go ahead. Yes. So, well, the Chastity Education Initiative is, a, uh, is funded by the people of the Archdiocese through private donations. And so uh, we've been very blessed because we have a host committee. The, actually, this event was supposed to be, for those who are um, uh, close fans of the Respect Life Office and Cardinal George, we are going to have it actually at the Old Vic Theater in, in April, and uh, we're going to have a panel there and show the film. It's going to be fantastic, have a reception, but of course, with COVID, we are unable to do this. So this is now kind of the reimagining of the event, but this is even better because we can actually have, uh, you know, even more people now viewing. Yes. And so we have a host committee who is generously given, and we thank everybody who uh, has given to support this event already uh, through the host committee, and we're going to be accepting. So tuning into the event is free, but we're also going to be accepting donations to the Chastity Education Initiative. And it's a way of honoring the legacy of Cardinal George, who believed so strongly in the mission of the initiative and um, and even ensured, you know, uh, wanted to ensure that the, that the mission of the initiative would continue today. Right. And one of the you you have a story about what he said to you when you talked about run, starting this initiative. About, oh, yeah. About yes. His, well, his... Right. He said, we really need this. What, what happened was I got to know him um, at a young adult event. I asked him if he would endorse my book. <laughs> <laughs> it was at one of the like uh, young adult ministry events in the Archdiocese. And I had just moved to Chicago um, and asked if he would endorse my book. And then after he read my book, he wrote a very nice endorsement of it, and he also said, hey, you know, we need this in Chicago. And um, and then the Respect Life position, director position came open, and so I applied, and of course he remembered me through the book and everything, and he said, you know, I want you to start, when he gave me the position, he said, I want you to start a chastity education program for our schools and parishes, but he said it has to be self-funded because we don't really have money said that will also help because then uh, money is always tight at the archdiocese and this will help in a way to ensure the future because there will be people who will believe in this important mission and who will want to give. Right. And so that was how the Chastity Initiative came about and thanks to the generosity of 
um, the McCaskey family, and many others. It's been the legacy has continued of the Chassiette Initiative, and this fundraiser is an important part of continuing the work of that ministry. Right. So every year, this is my coming on seventh year doing this work here in the Archdiocese. Time's gone by so fast. And every year we've held fundraisers to continue our Chastity Education mission, um, which is the way Cardinal George set it up, that we would do this. So that's what, you know, this this event is hopefully going to tide us over for the next year. Um, and, and our intention is, of course, to honor him and to um, just let everybody know, people who may not know what wonderful work we're doing and what, what, you know, what his legacy is in the Chastity Education Initiative. So we're going to have um, three panelists and one very special moderator. So do you want to talk a little bit about those panelists? Yes, so I'm excited because uh, Bishop Barron is, who I got to know when I was working at the Archdiocese, who's now in Los Angeles, he will be on the panel. uh, He actually lived with Cardinal George Mm -hmm. for a number of years uh, when he was a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He was at the Cardinal's residence. Yes. And so Bishop Barron will be part of the panel. And, um, and of course, he has Word on Fire Ministries in the Catholicism series, which was shown on PBS, mm-hmm. and as well as Father Dan Flens, who I also was blessed to get to know, who is just an incredible priest. And he walked with the Cardinal, literally, through uh, all of his events, and he was the Cardinal's personal secretary for... I think about seven years, yes. and he um, and was with Cardinal George to the end, and um, he so he will be part of the panel as well. So it will be the three of us, and then Damon Owens, who um, is well known in the theology of the body world, he will be uh, the moderator, and he's a very um, very gifted moderator. So he'll, I'm sure he'll do a great job keeping all of us. He'll be holding cats. All yes. of us will be falling all <laughs> over ourselves trying to tell great stories about our memories with Cardinal George, and Damon will be directing the conversation. Yes, yes. And, you know, we've we've um, been, been fortunate and blessed to have Damon here in the Archdiocese a number of times in my tenure here um, to speak to various audiences. We've had him talk to middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults, um, groups of, of parents as well. And he, he never disappoints. I have to say, his he is, just has an incredible style, and his knowledge— of theology of the body is incre- is just phenomenal, um, and right now he's his current ministry is a marriage ministry, and he feels that definitely a calling to help people understand what marriage is all about and God's plans for our marriage, and and mm-hmm. he just does such incredible work. So I'm super excited that he's going to be moderating the panel, and I think all three of you have so much to offer as far as your experiences with Cardinal George and with his work. For more information on the upcoming Chastity Education Initiative virtual event, visit archchicago.org. We close today's program with a reminder that you can attend Mass online by visiting our website, archchicago.org. That's archchicago.org. The Masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash catholicchicago. Our thanks to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning, to Univision for televising our Spanish language mass at 10 a.m. and Polevision for televising our Polish language mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thank you for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio 9:50 and 9:30 a.m. I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Weekend Review. Have a great weekend. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Weekend Review. 
You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.